0: I've been focusing on nothing but my son since I lost him, uh, which seems natural. But of course, now really, I need to start concentrating on the other people in my life, the people who are still here. Once his funeral's out of the way, we're going to have to change this. I'm off to the Chapel of Rest today uh, to see my son for the first time. Uh, I've been with his body. I've never done that before obviously this is all very weird to me uh, i have no idea what i'm going to say to him might i have to say anything to him i might tell him off uh, and then i'll think of some other things to say so here's a new feeling uh, obviously i've had lots of grief uh, shock um depression Uh, And some lots of bad feelings, I have had some energetic feelings, I've had some elation through some happy memories, Um, but today I've got anxiety. I've not had that yet, funeral 48 hours away, now anxiety has hit me. Hi, I'm Chris, I'm just a normal guy. Well, at least I was, until my son killed himself. Now nothing is normal, and I'm realising that nothing ever was normal, and nothing will ever be normal again. But thank you for joining me on My Argument With Grief. So the funeral was nice. I bet you didn't expect me to say that. But it was nice. Yes, I stumbled over my words. I felt self-conscious in my loud shirt. I cried a bit. I basically was not very good at all. But we did an okay job and sent him on his way with love. And I tried my best to leave my mask at home for the day which turned out to be quite easy. But let me just rewind a couple of days before we come to the funeral. I went to see him in the chapel of rest two days before. It was the first time I'd been close to him since his death. Actually, since i dropped him off at the station over two months ago. It was a pleasant little chapel. And there he was, sealed in his coffin at the end of the room. I went straight over to him. I placed my hands on the coffin. Felt the shape of it ran my fingers over the brass plaque, toyed with the rope handles. I sat on one of the chairs for a bit, but was too restless, so stood by him most of the time. We had a chat. It was a bit one-sided. I did tell him he'd been a bit stupid, but I didn't actually tell him off. I told him how nervous I was about the funeral, how I couldn't decide on a shirt or shoes. I told him I'd struggle to ever be happy again, but that I didn't blame him. I told him I understood. He seemed very peaceful, and that helped me feel better. After a while, we said our goodbyes. I think he wished me luck for the funeral because he could see how I was worried about it. The day of the funeral dawned bright, but a bit chilly for the time of year. The shirt decision was finally made with the help of my daughter, and we all quietly climbed into the car and set off on the 60 mile journey. We listened to music, admired the lovely early summer landscapes and tried to settle the kids nerves by explaining what was going to happen today. Being 8 and 10 they have more questions than I can handle right now so I think my answers were a bit succinct but they were coping better than me anyway. We arrived at his house in plenty of time and the family made small talk by comparing shirts and talking about him. The hearse arrived on time and then everything turned into a blur We used to sit in the garden together and watch the red kites in the sky. Do you remember? Magnificent birds just floating on the breeze. And you would talk about what it must be like to float with them. Now I see you in those kites watching over us, free. I'm glad that you found your safe place and I'm glad that the hurt has stopped. You don't need to explain any more than that. I do understand. I will carry your spirit Defend your legacy until my dying breath. Goodbye, son. You were a special soul. too good for this world. 45 minutes later, we were standing outside the chapel in the sun, having said goodbye to him. Once again, comparing shirts. Loads occurred in that three quarters of an hour, but I was just a passenger trying to control my emotions and would struggle to explain what actually happened. But I did feel a sense of achievement for getting through it and for doing it right. There were just 16 of us, as per regulations, just a close family, but we had hundreds watching online via a camera, a real 2020 funeral. My eight year old son gripped my hand throughout. I'm not certain who was comforting who, but it was a connection we both really needed. I did get up and say my piece, and I'm glad that I managed to complete it. I would never have forgiven myself if I'd failed such an important task. Outside, in the lovely fresh air, we chatted as families do. We felt togetherness. We felt as though things could be okay again. We chatted for quite a while, whilst other coffins and families streamed in and out for their half-hour slots. Surreal but then what isn't these days? Then my family went for a picnic. It just seemed the natural thing to do. We are so English sometimes, and we got caught in a shower. You can't get much more English than that. And then next morning brought a new feeling. Sadness. An overwhelming sense of just pure sadness. And my wife felt the same. And so did my mother. So this must be a normal feeling at this stage. Sadness is a bit like grief, but it's much gentler on you, doesn't mess with you, doesn't make you do irrational things, just sits like a heavy cloud over you. It's a very foggy feeling because you can't see a way out of it, but it also feels as if it will lift of its own accord when it's ready. It will drift away over time. So you don't try and fight it. We could say that we don't suffer from sadness, whereas we do suffer from grief. Will grief come back? Of course it will. But for now, sadness has taken its place, and I know which I prefer. Being 2020, everything is just weird, and I'm able to watch a rerun of the funeral on my iPad whilst sitting on my sofa. How the world has changed. I did think I wouldn't want to watch it again, but now I'm magnetically drawn to it and can't stop watching it, making myself sadder each time I do. I don't like seeing myself on camera, and I'm only really watching it because it's the last sight I'll ever have of my son, even though he's sealed in a coffin. It's a strange memento of a strange day. What happens next? I don't really know. There isn't a handbook I'm following. I'll have some ashes to scatter, and I'm thinking about where to do that. I'm still very busy with charity work, which I enjoy. I'm trying to get my own mental state back in order. I have a family to get back to. There's the inquest. His death was unnatural, so we have to go through that, and we've been warned that it can take up to a year. I'll do a whole episode on inquest process in the future, because it can be very frustrating. I try to remain positive about it, on the basis that we might learn some facts that we didn't know, but I suspect we'll just end up with a load of paper that just says it's all very sad. And then there's this. My podcast. My podcast. It's my podcast because it's about my journey through this nightmare. But I'm going to try and open it up a bit more now. Start discussing the issues that we've highlighted. Neurodiversity, mental health, young suicide, coping with grief. There is a lot more for us to explore and I want this to become a useful resource for people going through similar journeys. I'd like to hear from you and get some conversations going. As for me... Well, it's been one hell of a ride so far, but I think I'm going to be okay. I'm not really certain how, but I just feel more positive about it. I think I've been open enough with friends and family, so they're not shocked by my feelings anymore. They now know that I'm a bit of a wreck, but it also means that I can be honest with them all. I could and should talk to a counsellor now. I can't keep putting that off. I could start making plans for the rest of my life. I could start focusing again on the things that matter in my life. Or I could just put on my leathers and ride off on my bike into the sunset. But this ain't a movie, I'm afraid. So I'll be back next week. Why do so many men think suicide is the answer? Yeah, It's it's a dozen a day in this country. Possibly even more during the current crisis, but we won't know those figures for a long time. That's the bit that really preys on my mind it, there must be something we can do to improve that even though you forever on-